0: After Hours, looking back and reflecting on last week's sermon at Houston Church. Welcome back to After Hours. Tom here as we get to the last in our short three-part series on Embodied. Uh, this week thinking about singleness i'm joined by sam who preached on the weekend and by elizabeth uh thanks for joining us guys
1: no thanks, for us. <laughs> thanks for having us
0: um elizabeth just quickly for people who don't necessarily know you so well um who are you what, what do you do around church
1: <laughs> yep so i am obviously elizabeth and i am a ministry trainee so i yeah i spent the year doing Cornhill and serving at church um but yeah, I was around before that as well. so I was just part of the church family.
0: Yeah, awesome. And you've been primarily part of the kind of workers team this year working a lot with uh, postgraduates as well, right?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, awesome. Uh, Sam, really appreciated what you had to say on the weekend and what I'm sure was a um a sermon that took a lot of reflection and thought in your preparation as well as, uh, you know, A lot of people probably talking to you about how keen they are to hear what you have to say, which always builds the <laughs> pressure in my experience. Um, yeah, just kind of thinking back on the weekend, and this for you too, Elizabeth, just any reflections from the sermon, and then particularly you, Sam, are there any things that you just wish you could have talked about a bunch more?
2: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it was, it's a great topic to, to talk about. It's great that actually at Eastern we're up for talking about it. <laughs> um, and I was massively helped by the fact that um, lots of friends kind of chipped in with their experience and, um, mm. thoughts on being single and, and what that was like, uh, what it was like, particularly in our church family, which I think is helpful. Um, so, I mean, that was a, a massive step up that definitely <laughs> helped me write a sermon that was helpful in touch with, you know, what people are, are experiencing, even though I'm not a single person. Uh, at the moment myself um, But obviously we are all single for the first what couple of decades of our life usually So, um, Hopefully I did have some <laughs> experience to share of my own. Um, But yeah, no, I, I think I I reflected again. I've heard lots of talks on this passage before and I really just wanted to make sure we actually said what the passage says and not what we expect the passage to say That's one of the harder things for me, I think. Um, And I was chatting to people afterwards who have heard this passage taught and still come away with marriage is good, singleness is good, but with no kind of reference to the advantages of singleness. And so I I guess I was just keen that actually that that really come across. And obviously, maybe even more, sometimes people come away still thinking singleness is good, but marriage is still better.
1: I think that's... What I really appreciated was actually, or just really clear that it does say singleness is better. And that was really helpful, I think, for conversations I've had with people since, just being like, actually, both are good. But there are things to think through about singleness that make it better in some ways. And yeah, I found that helpful. Um, so yeah, thanks for being clear on that.
0: Yeah, I think, Sam, um, you you repeated it quite a lot, which I think was a helpful thing in that for a lot of us with these you know, in the Bible, there's a bunch of countercultural truths that brush up against our kind of human desires. And sometimes we actually just need to keep repeating a truth, don't we, Mm -hmm. that we struggle with and wrestle with. And hopefully over time, it it doesn't just become a thing we say, but a thing we feel and think. Um, So yeah, that was really helpful. Um, Sam, why
2: is this such an uncomfortable issue for us to preach? (laughs) Um, I mean, it's, well, on one level, it's just very personal for people, isn't it? It's, uh, held up in the world, um, or, or relationships are held up in the world as such a massive deal, such a huge part of life, um, that <laughs> it is just really countercultural. It's really unpopular um, as an idea, um, and even in Christian circles, I think that's that's true and has been true. And churches have pr- probably fr- from a desire to kind of counter the idea that Christians are against sex. Um, I think churches have probably gone big on no, we're all for sex um, and this is God's good design for sex so get married and gone so big on that as a, as a message um, which, which is true that we've also kind of undermined the option of singleness as a, as a good thing um, and, and a better thing in this passage. Um, so I think that's uh, I was just very aware that I wanted to be careful and handle it sensitively. I was, I was aware that I, as a married person, some people might be like, "Sam, shut up. <laughs> what, what, what do you have to say about singleness? I, I hope we just looked at what God had to say about singleness and um, that was the aim really.
0: Yeah, I think that's um, a really helpful point in that maybe the, the church has been we've been so worried about all the kind of bad sex that we see in the world mm-hmm. that we've kind of become obsessed with with God's design for sex and good sex that we've also forgotten to say. But also, no sex is fine. Yeah. And, um, and it's not part of a graduation process, which I thought was a great thing that you said. Um, and I, I was reflecting that when I was a teenager, both when I was a Christian and when I wasn't, like the language of when I get married mm. is just thrown around a lot yeah. as part mm. of growing up. And, and maybe the way this makes me think a lot about youth ministry and how I talk to youth about this stuff. Um, like this kind of assumption that we constantly underline everything with what do you think Elizabeth
1: yeah no I think that assumption is definitely around in just the way we talk about things like um, both in the non-Christian world but also in the Christian world I would say my non-Christian friends all about when I get married and don't worry there'll, there'll be someone out there for you that kind of rhetoric around that as, as they chat um, but I would say actually also, Certainly, when I was at university, it was the kind of, oh, you're, you know, the majority of you will be married. And it felt as if the select few who weren't going to be married were somehow different and better Christian, or maybe not even better Christian, just, just different, maybe a little bit weird, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But actually, this was really helpful, I think. Just yeah. to...
2: It's just one of many lies that are yeah, exactly. being thrown around all the time about sex and relationships. Um, but, yeah, I think this one is particularly... <laughs> particularly unhelpful um and and there's a huge variety of experience in the church family that i maybe that was also one of the things that uh i just wanted to be careful about as we spoke about it that i didn't make assumptions about what it was like for all people to be single all the time because actually there, there is just a huge variety even within eastern church and we're mm. a pretty kind of similar congregation to each other yeah mm.
0: Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, this kind of like pseudo spiritual Christian idea of, of soulmates floats around, mm. yeah. and um, it's like this kind of underlined assumption yeah. in society that's meant to reassure us all the yeah. time. The lie of the one. Yeah, yeah, which Jesus obviously doesn't think because of his views on remarriage of widows, yeah. and so um, yeah. But once again, just this really unhelpful like, if I'm single, this means there's there's an equivalent out there who's also single. Yeah. Um, when I guess the, really lame th- the lame thing I have said in youth ministry is, your soulmate is Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I stand by it still, <laughs> even, <Yeah. laughs> even if it's uh, something that I, I probably wouldn't say to students who walk in the church now. Um, Sam, you talked a lot about kind of singleness and, and sex and stuff. Um, how should, so one of the questions that someone asked, uh, how should single people think about sex?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, there's all sorts of reasons why somebody might have asked that question. But a single person should think about sex the way that the Bible thinks about sex. <laughs> um, so if we'd had a week on on marriage, that probably would have helped our series in some ways. Uh, we didn't have time for it, but uh, it would have meant that we could say really clearly um, sex is for marriage. And marriage is between a man and a woman for life. Um, sex is a gift as part of that. Um, and I guess if you're a single person, um, you can uphold and affirm the beauty and goodness of sex uh, by not having it. Um, so that's what that's like a positive thing that you're doing by by not having sex. You are saying this is special, um, and uh, I, I think that's that's a really good thing that you're that you're saying to the world uh, by not having sex. Um, we. We won't be having sex in heaven, um, so. Um, and I thought, I mean, Pete, on Sunday in, in the interviews, he was so helpful of looking back on, on marriage, generally. Uh, we won't be in heaven saying, "This is good, but you know kind of kind of wish that I had been married, that that won't be what we're thinking in heaven. Same, same goes for sex. We won't be having sex in heaven, and no one will be in heaven thinking, "Oh, this is good, but kind of wish I'd had sex."." Um, it's, it's just part of the idolatry of our, of our culture where we hold that up so high. Um, and it's not the exclusive domain of intimacy. I think that's something, that's something that um, is in the plausibility problem the book I mentioned, um, which I, I just think is really helpful. Um, you don't exclusively find intimacy within marriage and the sexual relationship. Um, in fact, and, and he references in that book um, the relationship between David and Jonathan in the Old Testament. Um, and David says, as he, as he uh, grieves because Jonathan has died, he says, your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. Um, and Ed Shaw points out that we, we find it really hard to read that without reading in some kind of homosexual relationship, mm-hmm. um, when why is it not plausible that David enjoyed non-sexual intimacy in his friendship with Jonathan more than the sexual intimacy he had with his wife i just like why why have we made that impossible um i think it just it says how much we've obsessed about that that area
1: and i think actually thinking about the fact that we can have really good deep friendships Mm. with people actually is really going to be important even if you're like married or not married like to think that you're going to just need the one person that you're married to I think is is unhelpful um and actually as we talk to each other as we get to know a few people really really well I think that is one way that God has given us people to keep us going as Christians and share life with each other so I think that's going to be really important as we go through life together
0: Elizabeth, as someone who's currently living uh, in singleness, how is that challenging?
1: Like, I guess it's, in many ways, it's challenging in the fact that I'm just being a Christian in everyday life. I think my biggest challenges probably aren't the fact that I'm single. It's going to be other things, um, other areas of temptation with, you know, pride or whatever. Actually, I think, that's possibly where that's that's hardest. I think the temptation is potentially not to sh- necessarily be willing to share my life with people, if that makes sense. Um, so that they don't pick up on on sin in that way. So I guess as a single person, it's tempting to not be open and honest with people about that in a way that you might not be able to get away with that in in marriage. But I guess one way I can. I, I live with people, I have housemates, like they see my life, so mm. <laughs> in that way, um, I don't know, that's quite awfully. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: no, thank you, that was really great.
2: It's, that's quite, it's quite a helpful point though, that just because you're single doesn't mean that your biggest problem as a Christian is lust and your unmet need for sex. Like that's, we should not assume that, mm. that would be really bizarre.
0: Yeah, it's a really unhelpful way of thinking about a person. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, so, and, show, and probably shows our own, therefore, preoccupation with sex. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let's, let's just treat other people as primarily people, not mainly a married or a single person. And, and not to assume that, I mean, to be honest, plenty of married people have problems with sex. Like it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's worth saying as well. So, um, yeah, it's, I think mostly it's our weird obsessions and our preoccupations and our... Wrong idolatry of sex, where we've yeah idolized something that's just not not really true. Um, that's usually where lots of problems stem from.
1: And also on that like loneliness, I think people think yeah. my one solution to solve with feeling lonely is I need to get married. Mm. But actually, like people who are married can be lonely, yeah. and so. I don't, I think again, we often say, oh, the solution would be to get married yeah. in lots of different areas. And you're just like, well, we'll know, you'll, you'll still be the same person. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah and um, a few people t- who were interviewed on the weekend talked about how helpful they found married people being super honest about their struggles within marriage mm-hmm. or, or kind of being allowed mm-hmm. to be a part of that as they kind of live life alongside them. Mm. Um, this obsession with, uh, I mean, in a, in Australia, people get married quite early in Christian circles, and so um, there's there's always a thing that happens where kind of older married guys will chat to the younger guys who are getting married about, all right, look, the image you have of your marriage and uh, particularly of sex in your head is not going to match what you're about to experience, and we kind of have to talk about it because you've got to unwind all this stuff that's been put in people's heads when it's so much more complicated than that. Um, Sam, you you. Obviously, you repeated a lot the kind of singleness is better idea, and we've had a few questions from people who um, even included equal signs in their questions. They're trying to think about this in quite a a logical way. Um, But the first one I want to ask is, someone asked, is singleness always better? If so, seeing as we should presumably always be aiming to do what's best, why would you get married? And are there scenarios where getting married is better than staying single?
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, great question, and, and I understand the kind of, I understand the thinking. I think uh, as someone reading this passage, I've, I've gone through those questions and found that, found that confusing. Um, that, I mean, there is a caveat in, in 1 Corinthians 7. So, um, to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Uh, so there you go. Marriage is better than sexual immorality, <laughs> um, but at the same time, you can have sexual immorality within marriage. So that doesn't even necessarily solve the problem, depending on uh, what it is. Um, but it's, yeah, it's better to get married and have sex there than it is to have sex outside of marriage. Um, so there's there's a scenario where I guess marriage is better. I think they are they are slightly slightly weird categories. They are phrased. They are phrased in the Bible as good and better. Um, so he, he does well and he will do even better rather than some of the alternatives that maybe we that we go for. So um, it, it's not even it doesn't say good, but worse or something like that. Uh, it's not that's just not the way around it is phrased. And I think we should be slightly careful with our kind of human logic as we uh, interpret it. It's not always quite God's logic. Um, or or at least not how he said it, how he wants us to think of it. Um, So I would try not to go beyond um, the language that gets used. But with, yeah, I mean, with that person uh, aiming to do, always aiming to do what's best, I think be careful with your definition of best Mm -hmm. um, and Paul's definition of better in this passage. Um, So if we are all called primarily to love God, um, to glorify Him, be more like Jesus. Um, I don't think he actually says it's you can do that better, single or married. Um, I think the category of better here is that your life will generally be simpler. <laughs> um, you're not missing out, um, and there will be things that make it harder, life, life generally will be harder. <laughs> um, so. For the sake of a, a simpler life actually singleness does seem to be better
0: and so you're saying it's not like a spiritual grading where mm. singleness is an a plus spirituality and uh, marriage is like an a but rather they're they're kind of both in pursuit of the image of how Christ desires for us to live as his people but then when we think in kind of more practical terms, there's some obvious differences in the practicalities here that allow for different things.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if it was spiritually better, I mean, who knows quite what that even means, but if it, yeah, if it was spiritually better, then surely Paul's, uh, outbox would be all of you must stay single. Mm. Um, but he says this not to lay any restraint on us. Um, so keep coming back to actually no, <laughs> uh, he does well he will do even better. Um, those are the categories he wants us to think in.
1: Mm.
2: I think often we, um,
0: we we like to think in very definite terms when we deal with things in the Bible, especially the New Testament. And so we'll be very, I guess, quick to be like, well, it says this is better here. Therefore, it's like wholly better in every single way. Yeah. Um, when Paul's not potentially saying that, um, but that sometimes he is speaking quite practically. And I think we can all agree on, um singleness having a number of advantages when it comes to ministry work is a really mm. good example, right yeah. um, which doesn't necessarily mean that someone's going to be have a better room in heaven as an outcome because we don't think in that way um, but yeah, a big big wrestle and and does kind of lead on to so someone else asked a similar question, but it had a different outworking, and I was wondering Elizabeth, if you could kind of speak into the experience of this um, so someone said. They kind of appreciated that marriage equals good, singleness equals better, but marriage does not equal bad. And they've used mathematical symbols for this. Um, They said, from a logical, brackets, not emotional point of view, it's always boggled my mind how the worst choice doesn't immediately make it bad. So therefore, could you speak into into feeling guilty about wanting to get married? So the guilt that may be felt in response to this passage about someone desiring marriage is that valid
1: well well no because actually i think marriage is like paul describes it as a mini picture of christ in the church it's a really really good thing um it was there before the fall and ultimately marriage is where we're heading um in the new creation so it is a really good thing and a desire that is is good so no (laughs) there is no need to feel guilty about wanting it but at the same time i guess there is that kind of recognition that this is the place that God has put us in right at this moment in time you're single or you're married and life is for serving him and getting to know him better and serving his people so actually it's kind of get on with with where you are now in in serving him and there's nothing wrong with praying for marriage either like actually asking God that he might provide someone that you could marry but at the same time knowing that both are good so if you don't get married you've not lost out on it on something you've actually got a really good gift from him um, if you do get married, great, that's a good gift from him too. So I would say don't feel guilty, but at the same time, don't spend your life thinking about it and worrying, or, yeah, don't let it be what you daydream about.
0: Yeah, I suppose if it becomes the concern that you live and breathe, mm. that kind of becomes closer to idolatry, yeah. but not all desire for marriage is. And so I guess could both of you speak into how does desiring marriage not
2: contradict spiritual contentment yeah you do I mean you desire something good it's a good thing you can be content and desire something Um, so I think uh, we did a a seminar on contentment um, a while back now I think it's it's really clear Paul talks about needing things kind of physically there's some stuff that's not great about his kind of present situation I'm sure he desired those things to change, but he also speaks about not needing anything because he's got everything he needs in Jesus. Um, and I think there's, yeah, I think that's, that's helpful in like, you can be content. Well, maybe with, with what Elizabeth was saying about, it's okay, to pray for, it's okay to pray to get married and just make sure you also pray to be content in
1: mm.
2: your current situation. Like just pray both of those things and, and be satisfied that knowing Jesus is actually much better than marriage um, but you don't want something bad that's a, that's fine. I don't think they're I don't think they're opposites. I don't think contentment
1: and desiring something are opposites.: Yeah, and I guess maybe just ask yourself that question, like, why do you want to be married like is it is it good are it good reasons, or is it kind of worldly reasons that you want to be married or you think that you're somehow going to be be satisfied because you're married or you're going to somehow... I don't know, change all your, you know, the, the problems that you, you have or that um, is going to be a solution to the sin problems that you're solving, you're somehow going to become some godly person as soon as you get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, do just ask yourself that question and yeah, maybe yeah. check why you're wanting to be married.
2: And okay, and good to ask each other that. Mm-hmm. I think um, a friend asked me a uh, lot long before I uh, got married, a friend asked me why I wanted to be in any kind of relationship um, and I think assume that your answer to that question will be a mix of
1: mm.
2: of kind of good desires based on good things that the Bible says um, and <laughs> some slightly strange motivations that you've got yourself and some wrong thinking that would be worth worth working through with a friend. Yeah I think that's really helpful and you know,
0: it's that that long wisdom that marriage isn't a solution to a problem mm-hmm. uh, that we have in our lives as a worldly issue. Um, but yeah, hopefully for people listening, that's kind of a helpful. We're trying to kind of walk this nuanced tightrope, aren't we, of um, of the two things and holding them in balance. But um, yeah, hopefully that's helpful and leads into a question that naturally evolves out of this conversation and uh, isn't really something that Paul addresses directly uh, in this passage, largely because they're still in the world of betrothal, so a bit of arranged marriage. And so therefore, dating is, an, is, is a fairly modern concept that we now have. And this adds a whole bunch of questions, doesn't it, for single people as they think about you know, the, the life of singleness and or, or going towards marriage. Um, where, where does dating fit in here? Uh, how does it
2: work? Yeah, I mean, good question. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> the, Bible, the Bible speaks... I mean, it speaks about fleeing sexual immorality. That's the, that's the kind of basis. That's what you should be doing. Um, if, you, if you date, then please remember to flee sexual immorality. But other than that, there is no kind of one way that you ought to date. Um, it does seem like the purpose of dating is to move towards marriage. Um, so um, if you know that you don't want to get married, why would you date somebody? Um, because, I, yeah, I don't really understand the purpose then. Um, that said, you don't have to know that you want to get married uh, to that person <laughs> when you start dating them. In fact, dating might be the time, it, surely that's just what we call the time where you work out whether, whether you want to be married to that person. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, not wrong. it's not wrong to date, but we should date very differently to the way that the world dates, I think that you'd expect that, wouldn't you? Um, Christians would be distinctive in that, um, partly because the world says, <laughs> "Have sex whenever you like." Uh, maybe start with sex, even, is what the world says, because if um, you don't like the sex, then you're wasting your time. Um, I think we should, yeah, we should probably do that in a very different order, um, all for just getting to know someone, <laughs> um, and and maybe and maybe doing doing ministry with someone i think that's a good way to to get to know them um and to to see what it would be like serving god together
1: yeah and i guess on that like you mentioned this on sunday like it therefore wouldn't make any sense to go out with a non-christian yeah um because you're not going to be heading in the same direction you're not aiming to be serving the lord together if one person doesn't even want to do that in the first place so yeah that was a helpful thing to yeah, th- yeah No,
2: thanks, Elizabeth, that's really helpful. I think the Bible both says clearly in a verse that that is wrong and it goes against the kind of design of marriage and what it's for and what it pictures and that it kind of goes against the entire Bible story of how people often fall away from God, so mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, so we've got this marriage as, a, as an image of, of Christ and his church and so if you're with someone who's not driving towards that when you become one with them, how it that oneness doesn't kind of equal what we're yeah. looking for. Um, a question that did come up, and it's um, something that I've I've dealt with quite a bit. But I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. Um, why is dating a bad evangelism strategy? <laughs> Flirt to convert is how I've known it as.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, I yeah, I guess it links back to the whole point of like, why would you in- potentially want to spend um time working out if you want to get married to someone which is what you're trying to do when you're going and dating someone if actually there is no prospect of that at all because they're not currently a christian like it doesn't make any sense um i guess yeah um it's not a helpful helpful place to potentially be telling someone the gospel because they might feel obliged to accept it it just yeah i don't know um i yeah find it quite hard to fathom (laughs) that that's okay yeah I mean what (laughs) what
2: is is the thing that you actually want for that person Mm. do you want them do you want to Mm. like have a a romantic relationship with them or do you want them to know Jesus and I think get like love them better and Mm. first just share Jesus with them and don't confuse that with some kind of romantic advances yeah I think that, that's just unkind and weird.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think on a, a practical level, when I think back on um, various situations where I saw my friends in this kind of situation, um, I can only think of a few occurrences when the partner converted. And on every other occasion, my friend fell away. Hmm. And I think when you are kind of intimately involving yourself with your temptations, that aren't with, with someone who's not then you know, calling you to holiness as part of your relationship, it's a really risky place, isn't it? And the other thing is, is that, and, um, and my, my friends won't mind me saying this, the guys who, who made it through and their girlfriends became Christians and they're now married to them, they were not mature Christians. And they're often like, I just got super lucky, when they reflect on it. Um, just very quickly then, um, for someone who uh, becomes a Christian after they're married and they're married to a non-Christian, just very quickly, what does that look like, Sam?
2: Yeah, uh, the Bible says very, very clearly, so you can read the verses in 1 Corinthians 7, um, that you can stay, stay married, that's, that's good. Um, your, your marriage is, is valid, um, and it's possible in that situation, um, Paul raises the, the uh, situation where a uh, an unbelieving husband or wife may choose to leave the marriage as a result of someone becoming a Christian. And he says, you know, if, if they do that, then OK, but you should not in any way feel like you need to end that marriage. Um, in fact, uh, he, he, yeah, uh, basically same advice as everybody else. <laughs> Stay as you are.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. um, And kind of shows that there is a way of working in those kind of specific situations. But they're the exception, aren't they? Not the rule. Um, Great. Yeah, I I find dating is just such a, I mean, it's something I'm constantly wrestling with, working with young people. um, And a really interesting kind of thing to try and get right, um, Mm. especially because I try not to be super prescriptive. Otherwise, more people will ask me for advice. Uh, But yeah, there we go.
2: Yeah, again, there is no mm-hmm. Euston Church way to date, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: exactly. And so then, thinking um, towards people who may then kind of be, uh, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, called to singleness, although I think that's a very hard thing for someone to determine for themselves. Um, so Someone who's looking at lifelong singleness, so we're looking at people who have chosen to kind of abstain from marriage for for whatever reason, and there's so many good godly reasons for people to do that, um, or people who, you know, it just just doesn't happen for them um, throughout their life, which is completely fine. Um, What does it look like for single people to share day-to-day life and intimacy within a church family, particularly people who might live on their own?
1: I guess for people who live on their own, it's probably worthwhile thinking where you actually are living. Are you living near church family? Is it gonna be practical for you to be able to see people regularly? Or are you gonna have to travel quite a long distance before you even see church family? So maybe live near church, live near church family would be a really great way to do that. Because then you can actually be in other people's lives. So practically speaking, you don't just want to be seeing people or having people over and just presenting that kind of perfect come round for dinner and I'll serve you your dinner and then you can leave and you're not sharing the everyday day to like life um
2: yeah I really enjoyed uh something Leah said in in one of the interviews on Sunday I think she used the word unfiltered Mm. life sharing and I think that's really good like just share all normal bits of life it's not a special occasion that you have to invite you oh we should Mm. invite that single person round because That would really mean lots to them no no just invite them to be part of the life and not just when you've had time to kind of clean up and tidy not not to do something extra exciting as an event just let them be part of the family i think
1: that's good yeah and i think ed said that as well on on sunday but i know from experience like being going to stay with some fam like a family that i know um, who now live much further away from from here but actually that means that when i do go and stay with them. I'm there for a couple of days, and I just spend time with them. Mm. Um, I take the kids to school. I just come back. You know, and they might be busy doing everyday life, but I'm just involved in that. And you know, you have good conversations over that. You, yeah, you're just involved in life, and that is one way of making sure that you are involved in family life.
2: My mother-in-law lives by herself, and she is. I mean, she constantly has people around her house. She is amazing at hospitality, Um, so there is always someone staying or round for dinner. Um, And you know, in some ways, I I think that is because she's single. I think she feels like she's able to do that, and so she actually she looks after loads of loads of kind of married people, people with uh, young children, for whom you know maybe life actually is not going very well and she's able to to serve them um so i i find her very inspirational
1: yeah and i guess also it's just being good friends with people Mm. um so you don't have to be overly like look at your friends and go well i don't i'm not friends with any particularly married people at the moment or um but i think it's just be friends with people at church and as life goes on, some people will get married, some people won't. And you just have that good group of friends and that will take work, I guess. You know, being a good friend is not just there for the fun times but the hard times. It's saying the encouraging thing, but potentially also the harder thing. You know, it's go and be a good friend to people and yeah. It hopefully will happen.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful, right? Like if we're a community of of love and people who care for one another, then These things will all come together. Married people will do a good job at thinking externally and caring for each other. And and also, single people will pursue those relationships in this kind of interconnected way. And so then this kind of leads on to a a more practical question. Um, Someone asked, practically, what does it look like to be single and stay Christian for a lifetime? And how can we help each other in that? And this is especially thinking about when singleness doesn't feel like a choice. throughout someone's entire life, it never feels like a choice that they've made.
1: I guess it, the, qu- the question is, how do you stay Christian? And you just happen to be single. Um, you just happen to have the gift of singleness, which can, I guess, feel hard if, if you really don't want to be single. Um, but that is just the situation that you're in. But the question there is, how do you stay, single? Uh, how do you stay Christian? And I guess it's, it's kind of what we've been we've been saying over the last few weeks. It's make sure you're listening to God's voice. Don't harden your heart as you um, hear it, and just keep going, listening um, to Him and speaking to Him, and trying to live for Him. And yeah, I don't have the answers. I, I I've not reached the end of the Christian life, but yeah. Um.
2: There are probably some some things at Eastern Church that maybe we should think about. Uh, I'm I'm just thinking because we're actually quite a transient uh, church. Often people are here for a couple of years and moving on. If you're someone who stays at Euston Church uh, for the long term and you're a single person, um, then it is possible that you keep making friends (laughs) and then those people keep moving away. Um, I'm not sure that is a, a particularly single problem um as in uh we as a married person i notice that i build good friendships and then lots of those people move on and so i need to invest in in new people maybe it's a reason to encourage people to kind of stick around long term um but yeah maybe maybe it changes the way that we approach friendships if we're like actually maybe we'll be friends for the next uh 50 years like (laughs) i think that would be a that's a much more kind of serious investment. I'm really going to go for that. Um, whereas I, it can be tempting, I think, in a church like ours to be like, well, we'll probably know each other for three years and then that's it. So I'm not going to go for it.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing is, is I'd really want people to know that no, no one's expecting them to be perfect. Um, and so please share uh, when you're when you're struggling with your midweek group, with... Yeah. Someone that you're, you're chatting to and spending time with, I, I would hope that we'd be a community where people can kind of share these, share their struggles, and they're not going to be rebuked for their lack of contentment, right? Um, we see this as something that some of some people will, you know, some people will find this easy, but a lot of people will find this a really difficult journey in life, and we don't expect anyone to find any journey as they walk, you know, towards Jesus uh, to be to be easy all the time, and. And so hopefully people know that when they do reach out, well, we're here to, to spend time with them and to talk to them and to pray with them and care for them. Guys, I, really, I hope this has been really helpful for people. Um, I found listening to you both really great. Um, so thanks so much for giving us this time. Uh, and yeah, hopefully we we'll get to chat to you guys again soon. That was After Hours. Join us next week or get in touch with us at eustonchurch.com.